our scripture today is from John 3, 1 through 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can see these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The winds blow where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. It's really good to be together this morning. Uh, I got a, a text message this week, uh, early in the week, from a guy that I'm friends with that lives out of state. I've been friends with him for a while. And it was one of those weird texts that you know, um, I can't put this off. And the text just said, call me when you can. And so, you know, I just said, okay. It's not like, hey, when you're available, or it was just like, call me when you can. So I call him. And what was interesting is as soon as, I, as soon as we got connected on the phone, there was no like, hey, it's been a while, how's it going? You know, like the typical kind of like, like on-ramp into like a serious conversation. You know, there's, there's some talking, talking, catching up, how's your family and everything. Literally, once it was clear that we were connected on the phone, he just went straight into the conversation. And... Um, and Later, I was like, you know, it didn't mean he didn't care about my family. It didn't mean he didn't care about me personally. It was just like, we, he didn't even have time to say, how, how much time do you have? Do you have 20 minutes? Do you have 30 minutes? I just said, hello, and he, he just started going straight into the conversation and, um, because it was heavy on his heart, and I felt like it was like the way he was talking, it was too important, and it wasn't anything like life and death serious. It was just a, a, a serious parenting thing that he was like, I just want to get your take on this because we had been friends for a really long time. And what I noticed is, is he wanted to lead the conversation, the direction he wanted it to go. He didn't know how much time we had, so he just went for it. And I feel like that's where we're at in John chapter 3 today. Is Jesus doing that? And so we, we preach through books of the Bible. Occasionally we'll do a certain topic that we feel like the Lord is leading us into. So we're seven weeks, I think, into the book of John. We're, we're getting to chapter three today. Probably one of the most important conversations Jesus has ever had with somebody 
that's been recorded for people to have a view into the conversation. Jesus wants to be so clear that he's going to use every word of this conversation for the sake of the person he's talking to and for our sake as well. Um, It's a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus desperately needs to hear this. It's a conversation we need to desperately hear. And it's okay if I pray again. It might feel like we pray a lot here because part of it is like we don't want to play at church. We actually want to meet with the living God and have him change us. And this is his place. This is his time. It's not our time. It's his time. And so we're wanting, if we just come in here and do a few religious things and leave, probably not going to be transformed and changed. If we truly meet with him, let the walls come down and let him do what he wants we will be transformed in the likeness of Christ, which is what we were all designed to, to be. So, so, Lord, I ask that as we observe this conversation and it goes the direction that Jesus wants it to go, would we go the direction Jesus wants us to go? Would we be changed? Because that's how we're designed to be. And, Lord, any walls that we start putting up, any excuses that we make that aren't things that you would even agree with, Lord, would you keep those things far from this place, far from us? Would we truly each be able to meet with you here? Would we be able to lock arms together and point each other to you for a lifetime? Lord, thank you for allowing us each to be here. Those who are joining us online, would you empower, would you turn, turn their living room into a sanctuary of your presence? Jesus, in your name we pray these things, amen. All right, so we're chapter 3, verse 1 of John starts this way. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus is not antagonistic. He's not coming with an agenda. It seems like he's saying things about Jesus. He, I mean, it's good to say uh, Nicodemus is this ruler of the Jews. He's coming at night, um, which may be because he's afraid to be seen in public, but also uh, we know that rabbis did a lot of their teaching in the evening. So it might have just been a normal time that people go to talk to, to rabbis. But by him saying, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from, from God, No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus had either seen or heard reliable things about Jesus, but he also missed him. And kind of a a shot across our bow as well is to be really careful that we don't say things that are really close to being true about Jesus, but miss him. Because sometimes I think our enemy would like us there. Should you be an atheist or should you be someone who views Jesus really close to who he is but miss who he really is? And I think, I think it might be more dangerous to be really close to who he is but miss who he really is. Because Nicodemus is saying, Jesus, you are a great teacher. You are a teacher that has been sent from God. And man, the things that you do, man, it's clear that God is with you. And you're like, man, what's wrong with that? Like, what's wrong? Like, that seems well-intentioned. Seems like it's coming from a good place. 
Well, it's theologically inadequate. He fails to grasp the miracles that Jesus has done and the signs that show that he's not just a teacher sent from God. He's actually a Messiah. He's the anointed one that all of the prophecies have been about. Jesus could have easily responded to these statements from Nicodemus. He could have said, yeah, man, thank you. Thank you for saying such kind words about me. Um, I am from God, but I'm actually from God in a way that is way deeper than you can even conceive. I am. I am God. You're standing on earth that I made. You're breathing air with a system that I designed. Your heart is beating in a way that I made it to beat and designed it to happen that way for your life. I have come from God. I am God, the second person of the Trinity. And yes, these signs are letting you know that God is with me and has sent me. Like he could have gone down all of these roads into that, but what Jesus decides today is for this conversation to go in a totally different direction. Just in a way that I picked up the phone with my friend and whatever direction I wanted the call to go, my friend was like, we're going this way, we're gonna go right to the meat of what we're talking about and he's not gonna follow the path that Nicodemus has laid out to start the conversation. Jesus is going to the conversation that Nicodemus needs to have. And I love that. Like Jesus does that to us sometimes too where it's like, hey, Jesus, I want to talk to you about this stuff. And it's like, we need to talk about this because I love you. And this is where we need to have a conversation. Jesus is going what Nicodemus needs to hear in the direction that Nicodemus needs to go and the direction that we need to go. So verse three is Jesus's first words back to Nicodemus. Jesus says, truly, truly. So Nicodemus has said half-truths. Nicodemus has said half-truths to Jesus, and Jesus says, truth is happening right now. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a guy who won the, uh, the uh, peace prize named Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and Solzhenitsyn lived like in the 60s and um, a little earlier, and he, uh, he was a Ru Russian, he was actually a Russian, um, um, he was in the Russian military, he was an officer, and he had started speaking against some of the leadership who was, were saying things like, atheism is the only way, and uh, there is no God, and Solzhenitsyn ended up having a guy share with him a word of truth about Jesus. And Solzhenitsyn then ended up saying, and people would say that at the time Ronald Reagan had a nuclear weapon that, uh, um, that was it Khrushchev, or I might be, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on Russian history there, had a nuclear weapon, but then Solzhenitsyn had a nuclear weapon, which was his pen. And with his pen, he started writing how the most important, he's kind of famous for saying, the most important thing in the world is one word of truth. Because if you grow up where all you know is not reality, if you have one word of truth that says this is real, you can then build the rest of your life on that. You know, it's like if you're super into WandaVision right now, as my family is, and like they're living inside of this, this city that's like Westview, and there's all of this like, and like everyone's been kind of like mind controlled, 
But then like, like this one person can go and touch people's minds and they can instantly be in reality. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, what I'm about to drop on you is true truth. Nicodemus, you have half-truths. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the like light bulb turning on, and I feel like in our community, if you say, hey, what must you do to get to heaven? What must you do to see the kingdom of God? I think most people in our community would say, well, um, you have to be a good person. You have to try really hard to be a good person and just keep trying hard at being a good person. Or it's like, hey, just be in a church, like just walk, kind of like how if you just walk into a garage, maybe you'll become a car. <laughs> like just walk into a church and maybe you'll, you'll become something. Um, Jesus is saying you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. If there is like a powerful word of truth that if everybody in our community, now they might not believe Jesus yet, but if they believed you must be born again to see the kingdom of God, this is the type of turn the lights on moment that Jesus is talking about and why he is not mincing words He's, I'm sure he loves Nicodemus. He's not wanting to go in a conversation. He's making sure this is as crystal clear as he could make it. And here's Nicodemus' response in verse 4. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I don't think Nicodemus is like trying to be like a, uh, just mean here. I think in his mind he's like, okay, I have to be born again to get to heaven. I'm all in here. I don't know if my mom would be all in with this. Like, I don't think she's okay with this because I'm like a grown man here. Like, how is this going to work? And it should be the question our town asks. It should be the question our community is asking. It should be the question that we are asking here a lot is, how do you get born again? Would someone share with me how, and I, last year, a, a guy said those words to me, what must I do to be born again? And it's like, you are tracking with Jesus here. You should be asking that question. One thing that's fascinating about Jesus is one of the ways that he has conversations with people is it's very common for him to say things that people misunderstand. Like he will even in his infinite wisdom frame a He'll put words together that he knows are going to trip people up. He knows they're not going to get what he's asking. And it actually forces them to stay, take a step closer and be like, you're going to have to explain yourself here. <laughs> because what you're giving, I want. I want to be born again to see the kingdom of God. How does this work? What is going to be the way? If, and one of the things that's also clear here is to be born again, if you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So what's the flip side of that statement? If you are born again, you see the kingdom of God. As clear as clear can be. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, if you are born again, you see the kingdom of God. So, this question Nicodemus puts back 
to Jesus. Jesus, verse 5, look how he starts it again. Truly, truly, I say to you. This is, this is one of, why this is one of the world's most important conversations I think that's ever been recorded, is Jesus is saying, I'm not hiding in the dark here. Salvation is not a step in the dark. It's a walk down a well-lit path. And I don't want to, I'm not playing games with you people. I'm actually giving my life for you. I want you to see clearly how to come to me and religion and all of these things can cloudy the waters. And I'm trying to speak as clearly as I can in this moment. And once again, I'm saying to you very truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, Nicodemus at this point is tracking with Jesus. Um, Nicodemus knew his Bible well enough to know that Jesus, and it's okay if you're not familiar with your Bible at this point well enough to be like, oh, he's quoting Ezekiel 36. Wow. Or, or like things like, but Nicodemus would have known this. Nicodemus had devoted his life for decades to studying uh, the Word of God, the Old Testament as, as we know it, um, is what was comprised of the Old Testament or of the Bible at this time. Um, and so Ezekiel 36, this is written hundreds of years before this conversation. Uh, this is just a, a, and there are other verses too that are speaking into it, but verse 22 of Ezekiel 36 says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act. But for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. Then verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. Jesus is letting Nicodemus, Nicodemus know this, a new age is coming, and a new age has begun, as Ezekiel and many other places have, have promised that all people now must be born again, born from above, born of the Holy Spirit. If you're not born of the Spirit, you do not see God's kingdom. That doesn't become your home. If you are born of the Spirit, it does. And Ezekiel tells us Jesus is doing this for his own sake. He's doing this because of him because of his love for us. People are being given new hearts. They're not given hearts of stone where things bounce off of them. And I remember when I was in college at UNI in 1996, 1997, I remember meeting with a guy who had me read scripture. And he was like, hey, read this passage. And I would read it out loud. And he's like, what does that mean? And I remember like, it's almost like in WandaVision, I'm not like trying to make everything about WandaVision, but it's almost like in WandaVision there are times where you're like the, like, the characters are like, I don't know what's happening right now. I feel like I should understand what's happening and I have no idea what's going on right now. And when my buddy had me read scripture out loud, I remember I was just thinking, I should know what this means. I don't know what this means. I remember looking at him saying, I don't know what that means. And he's like, I'll pray for you. And, you know, which didn't feel really comforting at the time because I was curious. But 
some of you don't receive the things of God because you haven't received the one of God. You haven't received Jesus. Now, not some of you have received Jesus, and we just need to teach each other and learn and grow. But part of what he's talking about here is like, like you will have hearts of stone where the things of God will bounce off of you. And when I give you a heart of flesh, those things will find their home in you and start growing and changing you. And I'm doing that because I want you to love me because you're designed for that. And I love you. And he's bringing glory to himself, which is amazing for us because we get to be a part of that as we are born again. Being born again has been the plan since the beginning. So Jesus is letting Nicodemus know, I'm not I'm not doing a U-turn here. This has been the plan from the beginning, and I'm telling you, it, it is going down right now. Then he says to him, verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is clear here that there's no formula that we, that we should follow here. That this people being born again, that the Holy Spirit's people give their life to Jesus. Uh, we learn in the book of Ephesians that having believed that you are given the Holy Spirit, who's your deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance. That, that we're told these things, but it's not then like, well, you know, those who will follow Jesus are those who are from this lineage of this family. Here he's saying like, no, like, it is so unpredictable. You will not know, you will not be able to anticipate who is being born of the Spirit. And, um, you know, it was that way for me in 1997 in Cedar Falls. Like, I had attended churches my entire life, but I just, it just felt like a thing I was doing, and that's not against the church we are part of. I think that's just where I was at, that I was not open to, uh, to these words. I was not open to Jesus and to these realities. And, man, I couldn't have anticipated the gust of wind that blew in my direction that day, where all of a sudden I was like, oh, I don't have to get myself right before I go to him? Like, he did all that for me while I was yet a sinner. He demonstrated his love for me, that he died for me, and all that I, I just need to give my life to you? It's like, that feels easy. It's like, well, it's not, it's easy for you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not easy for him, for Jesus, for what, what he's done to make that all possible. And uh, man, I, I was just a professional class sinner, and I believe that uh, it, when I felt like Jesus was saying, I want to let you know I am real, real, and I see everything you're doing, and uh, it's not, not the life that I have for you. My first reaction was it was scary. I just have to say, like, I was scared because I was like, are you, is this where, like, I die right now? Like, is this where the lightning, I hear people joke about lightning. Is this my lightning moment? Like, you are letting me know that you're real, real. You see everything. And I wanted, I wanted to be with him. I, I, I wanted to follow him. And I was like, I've been trying, man, I've been trying like really hard as a good Iowan would do. Like I'm trying to be really self-sufficient here, not bother you and, and just kind of show up and say, hey, I'm, I'm here. I've put myself together. And man, I just, I wanted 
to have my guilt lifted. I wanted, I wanted my sin to just be removed. Like it, those things had stopped being pleasurable a long time ago. And I just felt like they were still chains that were holding me. And, um, and I just didn't know what to do about it. And I think this is where Nicodemus is in verse 9. Nicodemus said to them, how can these things be? How, how can this be? Nicodemus is like, I have, I have no hook to hang on anything you're saying. I have no categories to place the things that you're telling me. Jesus is honest to Nicodemus and challenges him. And he says to him in verse 10, Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we're speaking here of, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. You're, you're not picking this up. Verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended into heaven, the Son of Man. Nicodemus is telling, or Jesus is telling Nicodemus, I'm just giving you a slight fraction of a view of what I know. Nicodemus in this conversation is no longer the teacher of Israel. He is a student in the presence of Jesus. Jesus is the only one with the credentials to speak on these things. Jesus lets Nicodemus know he has come from heaven. He has come from the kingdom of God. He has descended from heaven. And Jesus is the only one qualified to speak on such important things. And Jesus calls himself here the son of man. Ezekiel 36 is full of this language. But Jesus could have easily said, I'm the son of God. Listen to me. Or I'm the creator. You wouldn't even exist without me. Or I'm just, I'm God. But he says here, I'm the son of man. He will be the first of all men in this new, you could even say race of people. So, so he is, um, and we learn in Hebrews, like he is the new Adam, the new firstborn, the new head of a, of a new people, those being born again. He will be the first of all of them. He could demand to be king. He could say, call me the king. But he says, hey, I'm, I'm a servant of mankind. That's why I'm here. And I hope you see him that way. I hope you realize like he's not here to just smear your face in things. He's the servant of mankind to rescue, rescue you make you more alive than you've ever been. We've heard that in our community, people saying, I've never felt so alive in my entire life now that I'm following Jesus. He has many categories for this. Jesus is letting Nicodemus know, you have categories for this. You really do. And verse 14 is Jesus's, I think, way to make this as clear as possible. What are we talking about this morning? Verse 14, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
This might not be a well-known story from the Bible for you. It absolutely was for Nicodemus. It can seem like a weird thing in the Bible, but all of the Israel had, had gone out of Egypt. There are millions of people who are now wandering in the desert because of their sin. They're starting to get bit by snakes and sick and all this stuff. And instead of like opening up CVSs all across the whatever, um, what he did in that moment was he wanted these people to be healed and to have a way to be healed. So what he did is he instructed uh, Moses, make a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole, raise that pole up in the air, and anyone who looks will be healed. Anyone who needs healing, anyone who is sick, anyone who is suffering, if they look, they will be healed. So look what he says in 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Nicodemus, I'm making this, I feel like, so clear, and I feel like he's making this so clear to us, is that, man, would we be a people, a born-again people who look to Jesus? I mean, that, that is what he's talking about here, is if you want to see the kingdom of God, to walk with him, to be changed by him. And man, this is a, a big deal if you've never given your life to Jesus, that you've been kind of living your life without looking to him and, and, and looking to him, believing in him and having eternal life. And you're like, that's too easy to look. And once again, it's like, if you ask Jesus, was that easy to make that possible? No, that was not easy. And that's the stuff we're going to talk about through Easter and everything is the death that he suffered so that we could look. And you think like, and also what's amazing is, is someone with mental disabilities can look. Someone with no money can look. And it's his grace to make wide open the doors of salvation that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And that is amazing for salvation, but it's amazing for people wrestling with depression. It's amazing for people looking at bank accounts that are not what you want it to be. It's amazing people looking at relationships that are deeply broken. It's amazing through people that are truly physically suffering and are saying, I'm, I'm exhausting everything. What can I do? And if as a people, we over and over again say, let's look to Jesus. As born-again people, let's look to Jesus. Let's look to him over and over and over again. Let's never tire of looking to him for eternal life. Lord, would you teach us right now what this means? Would you teach us right now what this looks like? Would you teach us right now what it looks like for each of us to look to you, to believe in you, to have eternal life? Lord, any... Any serious questions that we have, would you answer them in this moment? Or would you give a person the courage and just the, the confidence to go up and ask somebody because they really need to know? Lord, for the things that maybe we're flooding our mind with that are lies that we're trying to justify that this is not really true for us because you really know us and you would never be this kind, you would never be this loving, you would never be this radical 
Lord, uh, would you just break through those lies? Would each of us this morning look to you for eternal life? Jesus, in your name we pray these things. Amen. Man, so a very appropriate thing for us to do is to look to him, to commune with him. And he designed this communion as a way for us as family to, to take these elements, which uh, it's a cup within a cup. And so please obey your conscience with wine or juice, but just take one. And then the way that we'll do it here is, uh, is come and take the elements and then we'll stay standing and then we'll take it together as family and I'll lead us through that. Um, if you are not at this time a follower of Jesus, I would say don't come here. I would just encourage you just to pray and I would encourage you to come to Jesus. Come to him and then, and then, and then come to the table. Um, there is warnings in scripture about not as a follower of Jesus coming too quickly because the Lord might want to search your heart and share some things and give you the opportunity to repent and turn. And so, so let's not rush to the table, but let's confidently come to him. Uh, we'll hold the elements and take it as family. So let's come to him.